All right. Hey, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 13. Um, at some point, I would love to give you some kind of message that's based on our travels. Um, but if I did that today, it would mess up our completion of this uh, series before the 4th of July holiday. So uh, we have four more messages in the book of Hebrews, and then we'll be done. And I didn't want to mess that up. So we're staying on track. Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 1. And this is God's word. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in, as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among you. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this coming Friday will mark the one-year anniversary of my double knee replacement surgery. And uh, as most of you know, we just got back from uh, Italy, as, as I said earlier, and it was our 25th wedding anniversary trip, actually our 26th. The 25th was the knee replacement. This was our 26th. Um, and so... Um, it was, it was interesting. We're at the one-year anniversary of it, and in many ways, this, this, this trip, this departure from the, this church echoed the last one. Um, we went to Rome, Italy, because we kind of wanted to, but we also wanted to go someplace where there would be a lot of walking, and we walked and walked and walked and walked. We, we put in 60 miles of walking. We had one day that had 24,000 steps, according to the Fitbit, and we just walked everywhere. It was awesome. So this trip echoed last year in some respect. But it also echoed last year in this respect. Um, you have to do a lot of stuff to be able to get out of town. And I know that's something that you can all relate to. I mean, your house has to be secure. Somebody's got to watch your dog. Uh, and it, work-wise, uh, things have to be covered and thought of in advance. You can't just uh, leave it and, and uh, come back to a giant mess. You have to do things. And so, um, you know, like for me, a, a sermon doesn't write itself. This, this, I, I came back and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a sermon that has to happen. And, and the music you're going to worship to this morning was actually planned and prepared and recorded and distributed back, I think it was May 18th was the deadline my very able assistant, Chris, gave me. He's like, if this is all going to happen, I need it all by May 18th. And uh, so on May 18th, uh, all this stuff is cooking and now you've got to walk back into a very briskly moving treadmill. Uh, there's a lot of components, and so there's just a lot to do um, uh, before you can leave. And it's got to run the way it normally is supposed to run, even though you're not here. Now, that is an extremely loose parallel to the function of the church in this world. Um, if you recall our study of the book of Acts a few years ago, I think it was, what, four or five years ago, we did, we did the book of Acts. And uh, you know, who, who wrote the book of Luke? Luke. Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. And you know that, the, that Luke and Acts really are a set, okay? It's a gospel, but it's a continuation. It, it really is a set. And, uh, and if you're going to t- 
teach through the book of Acts correctly, you have to get one thing right. Uh, People will say, well, Luke is the story of Jesus' uh, life and ministry. And then they'll say, and Acts is the story of the early church. No, 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 no. You get that wrong. You get the whole book wrong. The whole book. Um, Yes, we see stuff about the early church in the book of Acts. But Luke is the story of Jesus' life and ministry. Acts is the story of Jesus' continued life and ministry through the church. You see what a giant point that is. You get that wrong, you misinterpret the whole book of Acts. And so it is with this last chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews 13. Um, and uh, to, our, to our main idea here today, it is this, the Savior's work continues through the church. Um, so let's look at verse 1. It says, let brotherly love continue. Now straight away, we need to acknowledge that there's a, a kind of a cordial theological debate as to whether or not the scripture writer, whoever this may be in Hebrews, is um, using chapter 13 and just kind of throwing out a series of random thoughts or if there's a, a theme and a thread running through it, okay? So some scholars will say, well, it's a series of random thoughts, and it's not hard to say, hard to imagine. It's kind of like, um, like you leaving your house uh, with your you know, 14-year-old kid and your 13-year-old kid and your 10-year-old kid. And you're, you're leaving your house and you're like, and by the way, don't forget to shut the sprinkler off and don't forget to do the then, don't forget to close the door and lock the thing and blah, 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 let the dog out. Mm, some last-minute instructions before you leave. Okay, we do that all the time. All right, so it, it might be that, chapter 13, or there might be a thread running through it, a theme. And uh, I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's caving to say it really is a little bit uh, of, of both here. Um, I think there's a variety of things that are being popped off by, by the scripture writer at the end of his letter uh, to this, the, these, these Christians. Um, but I also think there's a main thread holding it all together, and that is expressed in our main point, which is uh, the Savior's work continues through the church. I think that's what holds all this together. Um, so, um, so, verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Now, that rings true of what uh, Jesus Taught, right? Uh, in John 13, 35, he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. He goes on to say, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. That's a tall order. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. So very high on the, on the, on the agenda of Jesus that we understand that, but then it's qualified. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And that is going to be the big indicator to the world that you belong to me. Ladies and gentlemen, we use terms so freely in the Christian church, uh, brothers and sisters. We call each other brothers and sisters all the time. Uh, We think of ourselves as sons and daughters all the time. And, And the reason we do that is the scriptures not only invite us to think about ourselves that way, but they teach us to. That's the way we're supposed to think about Um, being a Christian, because Christianity really is being in God's family. God redeemed for himself a people. He brought together for himself a people, a covenant people, and there is no such thing as a Christian who is isolated from other Christians. So look at verse 1 again. Let brotherly love continue. Friends, that doesn't say let neighborly love continue. It doesn't say neighborly. It's family. 
Let brotherly love continue. It's addressed to Christians about dealing with other Christians. Now, what is the most important function of a Christian? Pretty easy answer, I guess, to glorify God, wouldn't you say? To glorify God. Um, but, But after that given, after that given, what's the most important function of a Christian? What do you think? Huh? Love one another. You know, a lot of people would say evangelism or, you know, affect change in the world, be salt and light. Those things are all true. True, true, true. But the, but, the, but the main thing on the heart of the Savior is that we love one another. Just as he loved us, we're supposed to love one another. And that's supposed to be something that the, the watching world goes, that is strange. That is otherworldly the way these people are. It's not, it's not just being in the same club or some wacky religion somewhere. I mean, it's, it's the love of Jesus Christ that's this divine thing uh, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us and we deal with each other as the Savior loves. Now, it's interesting. In both Mark and Matthew's gospel, Jesus is asked what the most important commandment is. And he says this, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, loving your neighbor is neighborly love. This is talking about brotherly love. And, it's, and you know, what Jesus had said just a, a, in John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I've loved you, you're also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. Those all people are the neighbors. So which is it? What's right? What is Jesus saying? The, the main thing is that we love one another as he loves us. And, and you know, James the, uh, uh, calls it the royal law that we love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, nothing's refuting what, what, the, what the writer of Hebrews is saying. I would illustrate it this way. The most loving thing. Now, look, we don't have kids, so I don't, I'm not giving you parenting advice. I, I, I'm always careful not to go, this is why you should do your with your 14-year-old. I don't know. Um, but I can say this. The most loving thing you can do for your kids, I can say this with biblical authority. Um, the most loving thing you can do for your kids is love your spouse. That's the most loving thing you can do for your kids. Uh, dads, when you come home from work, um, kick the dog out of the way, bang the seven-year-old on the head, and go straight to mommy and French her. <laughs> I mean, right in front, just, ew, gross, that's disgusting. That's the most loving thing you can do for your kids. Uh, m- mommies, put down the laundry and get off your butt and go intercept dad right in front of the kids, wrap your leg around him and just, oh, dad, honey, you're home. Gross him out. That is the most loving thing you can do for your kids. It's the most loving thing you can do. Um, my, my application, if there is one now, um, <laughs> the most loving thing you can do for the neighbors around you. I mean, the world is full of neighbors, right? The onlooking world. Uh, the lost world, the world that is uh, shattered, the world that's searching for answers to ultimate questions. They're looking. The most loving thing you can do for them is to love the brethren. That, that, that they would see something that's otherworldly, 
that is supernatural, that is the Holy Spirit of God affecting change and behavior in us, um, that's the most loving thing you can do. It is the distinguishing mark of being a Christian that we love other saints, other Christians. Um, Yes, we are to love our neighbors, no matter what their belief system. We are to love the onlooking world. Uh, We are to respect their belief system. Um, All this... uh, how could they be so stupid as to believe that? That's arrogance. And it also uh, undercuts the gospel. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand grace. If, if you ever default to, well, they're stupid, that, that's, that, that only reveals your own stupidity. Um, but the best way to love them, ladies and gentlemen, is to be weird, is to let them see the love of Jesus Christ fleshed out in our behavior toward one another. Um, they, they watch the love of the shepherd expressed in the lives of the sheep. Let brotherly love continue. By the way, those who cloister themselves from the church um, and avoid the gloopy, gloppy mess of loving um, are at worst in sin. No, are at best in sin and at worst, maybe not even in the kingdom. Uh, you can't shield yourself from the church. And so to ap- apply it to your, your, your lives... Uh, ask your soul, am I inclined to fellowship with other saints? Ask your soul that. Am I inclined to fellowship with other saints? Am I resistant or am I drawn to corporate worship? Worship with other Christians. Am I resistant to that or am I drawn to it? It's a barometer as to the health of your soul. Um, am I a distant figure at that church or am I a known entity? No one gets plugged in by sitting in a chair for an hour and then disappearing during the, pr- the closing prayer. No one ever does. No one ever connects. Uh, don't avoid the gloopy, gloppy mess of loving. Uh, friends, are you in a small group? You know, it's not very complicated. Um, I mean, there's some people in, our, in this room who are in our small group. It, it ain't complicated, man. We show up, we eat, we go home. And uh, sometimes we go to a restaurant and uh, it's hard to get everybody. It's, it's hard. But, you know, there's just points of connection. Uh, are you in one of those? Um, do you come on Wednesday nights? You know, Dr. Young teaches, and it's an excellent resource. Are you one of the Wednesday night people? If you're a Wednesday night person, it will change uh, your church life. And it will change the, the health and trajectory of your kids, by the way. If your kids aren't coming on Wednesday night, I pity you. I really do. It changes their, their, their spiritual trajectory and growth. How about this? Do you disappear for months at a time? Well, it has been a busy season, and so we're just, you know, we haven't been in about uh, six weeks or two months. Is that you? Don't do that to your souls. Daddies, lead your family. Say, Daddy and Mommy are going to take the kids and, and lead them to church. We're going to be in the car, so let, do it. Daddy, lead your families. Lead your families. Um, how about this? This is kind of a wacky one. Are you on GOL? Listen. I know some of you are going, ah, I hate GOL, all those emails. Listen, uh, I don't want to see somebody try to sell a book for a dollar. Uh, uh, You know, but but sometimes there's an urgent prayer request on there. And do you know that sometimes your senior pastor sends something out, or Chris Luke sends something out, or John Otley has a book recommendation? Um, There's women's ministry stuff on there all the time, and uh, sometimes there's a video of Dr. Young. I mean, if you're not on GOL, why are you not in that community? Um, It's only like 47 emails a day. No, it's not really. It's about 11. 
It's about 11. And you can get the digest. And honestly, the digest is at the end of the day, I was on the digest. I undigested. That doesn't sound very good, but I, I changed it to the full-blown thing because people send prayer requests in real time. You just pause and pray for them. Uh, why are you not on that if you're not on that? And the lastly, I'll ask you, do you feel a responsibility for everyone always? Do you? Hey, I'll give you a living illustration because he's sitting right here. We were still in Italy, and uh, Charlie sends an email out, a, a GOL out about sine qua non. Did you have a painting in that or something? He's a drummer. They're the lowest of the musicians. No, I'm kidding. You. <laughs> no, they're the most mathematical, I will say. Um, but this guy felt a responsibility for the event, and he sent out an encouraging thing. That's what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Do you feel a responsibility for everyone always? All right, our next point. Oh, I didn't even put it up there. Here we go. Here's our next point. See, I got a little thing going here. Um, Next point, live like the Savior. Uh, See, we're only on verse two. Verse two, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, listen, the latter part of that verse about angels, entertaining angels without even knowing that they were angels, is a reference to Abraham uh, in Genesis 18 and Lot in Genesis 19 and Gideon and the parents of Samson. There are, there are these illustrations where they didn't even know who was, coming, who was there. And uh, I'm not saying that there isn't an angelic presence in the world in use by God, um, uh, God does his bidding and he has his messengers and and yes. But ladies and gentlemen, don't trip over that and miss the first part of the verse. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Uh, And then there's this very vivid illustration for some even even entertained angels without even knowing it. Um, Now, in ancient times, there weren't Radisson Blues and Drury Inns. like that. It was it, when sojourners would come into town, they would count on food and shelter and safety from, from you know, people who were kind to them. And that's, that's what this is saying. And, you know, the Apostle Paul, he, he talks about in Romans 12, he says that we're t- supposed to practice hospitality. And, um, you know, it's an, also a qualification for an overseer of the church. Did you know that? There are three biblical references that says uh, that they should be hospitable, or how about a widow, someone who's lost her husband, doesn't have kids who can take care of her. She's over 60 years old uh, of age. But one of the qualifications for the church becoming a caretaker for her is that she's hospitable. Application. It is hard for some people to open up their homes. Um, some of y'all have the gift of not caring if there's junk everywhere. Um, that's, a, that's a gift. Come on in. You're like, wow, you're cool with this? Cool, man, dishes everywhere and toys and wow. That's a, that's a huge gift of, of, of hospitality right there, okay? So, but it's not just, it's not just uh, merely opening up your home. It's not the entirety of, uh, entirety of the point. The entirety of the point, the, the greater uh, point is that we're supposed to love the way the Savior loves. We're supposed to live the way the Savior lives. And do you not see that to have a disposition of hospitality, welcoming people in and having a radar on all the time to see how need can be met, um, it it is to take verse 1, let brotherly love continue, and expand it outward, right? We're to love the saints, but, but from that love, there's this 
outward expansion that uh, includes other brethren coming into town, but it's even greater than that. Um, Look at verse 3. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Now listen, some of your translations, if you have an NIV or the Holman, I think there's one other, Berean or whatever. Um, A few translations will put it this way. Um, uh, treat, treat people in prison as though you're in prison with them as if you yourselves were suffering. Some, some translations will put it that way. It's more likely the idea that we're um, in the body of Christ together, that we're supposed to feel deep responsibility as if we were in that situation as well. And so in prison then, uh, prisoners were, uh, it's, it's not like here where you get television and uh, a weight bench and, uh, you know, three meals and all that stuff. Um, in, in dire prison situations, um, family members would bring clothes and supplies and food and things to keep that person okay. You know, Paul um, asks for his cloak to be brought to him when he's under house arrest. He asked Timothy to bring his cloak. Uh, family members would provide, friends would provide. And so the first concern, again, is for the saints. And so this is not a, this is not a proof text for starting a prison ministry. Um, it, is, it is, I think, primarily saying, remember other saints who are persecuted, even those in prison, don't forget about them going through their, their sufferings. And, you know, I'm off my notes here for a second, but, you know, when people go through trauma, and, and you probably have even experienced it yourself, you go through a trauma, and there's a lot of attention right away. And three weeks later, there's less attention, and then three months later, you're kind of alone. And I think this is a call for us to be vigilant and not forget those who are um, in, in difficult situations, okay? So this is not primarily a proof text for starting a prison ministry, and yet, um, was Jesus not friend to sinner and tax collector? Um, I, I think the, the, the prisoners, uh, those who are behind bars and lonely and frightened and and desperate and going nowhere, um, I think, again, it's this outward expansion. Let brotherly love continue. Uh, Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, the brethren, but other strangers too, people in prison who are Christians, but other people too. I think it's this great enveloping idea that expands outward. So application for your life on this. Have your radar on all the time, your evangelical radar. Um, your interpersonal radar, your church family radar. Um, To to give you a how-to, if you ever look around this church or you look around your office or you look around your peer group, uh, you look around other parents you might know at school or whatever, um, and you think, you know, somebody really ought to do blah, blah. You know what? That's kind of goofed up. Somebody really ought to take care of that. Guess what? That may be your call, to do it. Happens all the time in church. Well, you know what? I really don't have a problem with this. Uh, Somebody ought to do something about blah, blah, blah. Really? Guess what? You're the volunteer. Uh, God may have just put that into your perspective so that you accomplish something. You know, we have MITs. You know what those are? I have no idea what it stands for. It's ministry. I I never know what that means. What is it? Ministry initiative. What's the T? Mission Initiative Team. Do you work here? That's Rob. Mission Initiative Team. 
Well, I, I may never know, I can never remember what it means, but uh, we've got a zillion of those things. Do you know that? Mission initiative teams where people just like you go, you know what? There's a need over here, and we've got this uh, thing called Grace Venture, and it's headed up by a, a team and a really able guy, Jonathan Todd, on top of it. And they analyze and pray things, and you can go to them with a mi- ministry idea, and they discuss it with you. They kind of refine it, and you can get funds to go do ministry. And what do we have, Brent, 30 of these things or so? He's gone. He's doing coffee. He doing coffee? They, they stormed out. Well, anyway... I think there's like 30 or 40 of them, and it's all y'all. Anyway, keep your radar on our last point. Obey like the Savior. Verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among you, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Um, Folks, I I could wax on about this for a long, long time. But let me just tell you, if I have to watch one more stooge connect with an old flame on Facebook or just develop this, it's like the Sims, you know? It's like this other life of people and the friendships and the ho, 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 and he, he, he. And, and you just, you, you get exhilarated and you can't wait to connect with your little friend group on there. Look, it's, I, I'm, all for, I'm all for social media, man. I, I am. I, I think it's, I think it's a, an extension of our relationship, you know? Um, you know how you, you, you communicate online, then you see the person in, in, in person and you're like, hey, <laughs> you've got this connection. It can deepen. But ladies and gentlemen, don't sidle up to people that, that are going to produce uh, difficult relationships. You know, I can show you my phone. Every text I've ever texted to a girl, because sometimes you have to text a girl, it, it's, it's always, and say hi to Henry. You know, there's always like a, and this is totally legit. You know where the line is, don't you? You know where the line is. Don't toy with it. Don't sidle up to it. Don't be the fool who, who will be hated by his children when they're 65. Don't be the fool, man and woman. Don't be the fool. Guard your marriage. Um, hold it in honor. Keep the marriage bed undefiled. But, you know, it's all housed in the idea of honoring marriage. And by the way, our culture's gone crazy, and um, it's going to get harder and harder to minister. And uh, we're going to appear, I'm going to appear more and more like a relic. But uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. Uh, one man and one woman, and God built it into his creation as a standard. And if, if you jiggle on that in your heart and you go, well, you know, I do have my sisters gay. And listen, I have a, I shouldn't even say this on, I have a, I have a transgendered niece. Um, I, I love her, but I can't, I can't condone what's, I, I can't just bend my theology toward that. It, you just can't do it. You have to say, what does God say? How has God designed it? What is God's plan for this world? And that's, that's the scalpel's edge, my friend. That's what Jesus talked about when he said, I've come with a sword. That's what he's talking about. So honor marriage um, as an institution that God invented and no one else, and honor it within your own confines. All right, our last, uh, our last thing here, uh, verse 5. Keep uh, your life free from the love of money. Now, when you read that, ladies and gentlemen, you know, 1 Timothy 5.10 says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. When we read that, 
when we read this, we say, oh, keep your life free from the love of money. We tend to go, yeah, or at least people like me. I'm like, yeah, you people with money. You love your money, don't you? Huh? You like your money and your, your money and your cars and your money and your pool and your money. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, don't miss the next thing. Be content with what you have. Do you understand that that teaches that you can have no money at all and be terribly guilty of idolatry, the love of money? You understand? It's not just, oh, people with money. It's, it's all of us. We're not to have the love of money. It's the root of all kinds of evil. You can't serve two gods, God and money. You, you, you turn the other one into a, a, a God with a small g if you love it. And so the point is, ladies and gentlemen, the protection is to simply be content with what you have. Um, you, 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 you may be a rank idolater if, you're, if your God is money or clothes or a car or a zip code. Um, but the answer is to be content and see, ladies and gentlemen, the kindness and sufficiency of God. The scriptures just don't leave you hanging here. They just don't go, hey, don't do that. Mm. Listen to this. Read on. Be content with whatever you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Is that not your reason, beloved, for being content? <laughs> the Bible just doesn't give you a command with no basis. It says, guys, guys, you don't have to, you have it, you don't have it. You had it, it went away. Uh, it's okay. Be content with what you have because it's what God has provided. He's met your basic needs. You have clothes. You have shelter. You have food. You have support in your life. You have the fellowship of the saints. Be content with that. Um, The Lord is your helper. You don't have to fear. What can man do to you? What can anything do to you? The Lord is your helper. I got an illustration, and and then I will close. My illustration of this point, ladies and gentlemen, is... um, I'm, uh, I occasionally get blue. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a happy, you know, Labrador kind of a guy, uh, but I occasionally sink into the deep end of the pool, and I, I just get blue, just overcome. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think it's some of its ministry because you traffic in, in, in hard things, and it, I don't know, sometimes it's cumulative and, and all that. But anyway, so here we are. Here's me. We're, we're at our hotel. My wife got this hotel our last two nights were on the Isle of Capri, and it was 181 euro. It was our big splurge, and it was awesome. And we had a balcony, and we were overlooking the ocean thing with the, the famous big rocks jutting out of the water. And guess what? Sophia Loren's house was on the hill. We looked at it every day, Sophia Loren's house. And unbeknownst to me, General Patton was exiled there for three months during World War II in that hotel. Isn't that cool? And so I'm on the balcony, and I'm and Tammy comes out, and she's got out of the shower, and I got a coffee or whatever, and, and uh, she's like, how you doing? I go, I said, I'm kind of blue. I'm kind of down. And she said, the God who created all this created you, and he loves you. He saved you. Is that not your answer, friends? Is that, is not, is that not the lifter of your spirit? Um, that, that this, this God is your helper. You don't have to fear. All right, last thing. 
and uh, we'll, we'll rope the whole thing together. Um, this idea of letting brotherly love continue and this expansion outward. Um, when, when Tammy's mother was on her deathbed, um, we, were, we were huddled around her, um, and uh, it's, it was Tammy's much older brother and his wife, Tammy's much older sister, and her husband, the pastor at Bellevue, um, one of the pastors at Bellevue, and then Tammy and me. So it's the, 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 the three kids and their spouses. And we were gathered around her bed, and really it was her last moment of, of lucidity, you know? Um, she couldn't speak, but you could still see. <coughs> there, was a, there was an awareness in her eyes. She knew we were there. <coughs> Excuse me. She knew we were there. She understood what was being said. And we gathered around her. We leaned in closely. And Mitch, the older brother, said this. I'm going to do my impersonation of Mitch. He goes, Mama, we love you and we love each other. Friends, is that not what the Father wants? He wants us to love him and he wants us to love each other. What do you want to hear on the deathbed? Sally got an A. That's great news. Bob graduated. Great news. Great news. But don't you want to hear? We love you, and we love each other. Holy Father, we love you, and we love each other. And we praise you that you're our great defender, that you're the one who has created all things and you created us and you came up with a plan of salvation to save rebels. Thank you for doing that, Lord. Uh, Thank you for plucking us from the abyss and bringing us to your banquet table. Might we reflect on those things, Lord? Might it shine in our lives as we move through a world that is uh, not our home? And uh, might you take glory in what we do and teach our souls that we need not fear. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, y'all.